right, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 18, verses 35 through 43. I'm going to be covering uh, this morning. Luke chapter 18, verses 35 through 43. As you're turning, let me ask you if you've been, ever been in a situation when you just couldn't see any way out of it. All of us have been going through this uh, pandemic, the ups and downs and uncertainties of everything that was going on. Uh, Some people have lost their businesses, others their jobs. Some people have lost loved ones, friends. People have gotten behind the eight ball and trying to, just trying to catch up. And uh, just have a difficult time doing that. Uh, Having a difficult time seeing their way out. The church has been going through something similar to that. We were actually doing really well before the uh, pandemic hit, and then we had to shut down, and then for a while we were able to get back and then it hit again and we had to shut down again and uh, finally we're able to get back going and then about a month and a half ago I started having some uh, physical physical issues uh, medical things that kind of got me down and I was not able to do a lot for several weeks and then finally a couple of three weeks ago I, I after the morning message I, I told Phil that I was just going to have to take a couple of weeks off and just gather myself try to get these things back under control and uh, uh, it just seemed like it just seemed like I was having a difficult time seeing my way through and uh, But over these last couple of weeks, I think God has restored my vision. That's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about uh, vision, and uh, I'm going to use this story in the Gospel of Luke about blind Bartimaeus and how the Lord restored his vision. And uh, But before we get there, I want to share with you probably the most well-known verse in the Bible uh, uh, concerning vision, and it's found in the book of Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. And what it says, you'll know it most by the original King James version. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, what he's got up on the board, up up on the screen, is the New King James Version, because that's what I preach out of. And uh, what it says is, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Uh, In the King James Version, where where there is no vision, the people perish. The two main words that draws people's attention are the the words vision and perish. The word vision literally means to dream, 
It's not talking about what you dream when you're at nighttime and when you're asleep. It's not talking about that kind of a dream. It's talking about the kind of dream you have when you're young and you dream of what you're going to do as you grow older. The dream that you have as you continue to grow in the Lord or or grow in your family and your profession and all of those kinds of things. It's a purpose. It's an objective. It's a goal. And it's something that you're working toward. The word uh, uh, perish is the Hebrew word para. And what that means is, is out of control. And that's why, okay, you put it back there, go back to the, the New King James. He changed it. Where there is no revelation, that, that word revelation, that's the dream, it's the goal, it's the, it's the mission that God has placed upon your life. And then it says cast off restraint. That word para means out of control. It, you cast off any kind of restraint that you might have and uh, you're living out of control. When you have no purpose, when you have no objective, when you have no goal or direction in life, you just kind of flounder around with no control in your life, and you live your life just reacting to whatever comes up. I've heard a lot over the last couple of years, a lot of people talking about they feel like they just, they're just out of control. They, the, the environment's out of control. The, the economy is out of control. Government is out of control. The pa- pandemic and what we're trying to do to get out of it is out of control. And they're just having a tough time seeing their way out of this situation. I want to give you some background this morning because I believe what I want to talk to you about, what I feel like God has laid on my heart this morning is that we need to uh, have our vision restored. We need as a, as a church, as a people, as a nation, as an individual, we need to have our vision restored so that we know where we're going and how we're going to get there. So I'm going to give you, we're going to use Bartimaeus, and I want to give you some background. Mark, here in Luke, uh, let me just read this to you, verses 35 through 43, and it goes like this. It says, Then it happened, as he is coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging, and hearing multitudes passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when those who went before warned him that he should be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked, saying, What did you want me to do for you. And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has 
made you well. And immediately his sight uh, was, uh, he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise to God. Now let's just pause for a moment and go to the Lord once again in prayer. Father God, I come to you. I just thank you, Lord, that uh, you're there. I, I, I thank you, God, that you never leave us or forsake us. And Father, that you are still in control and we can depend on you. And Lord, we ask you, God, to restore our vision. Help us to see our way out of this that uh, we might glorify you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as far as background to this story, uh, Mark tells us this man's name is Bartimaeus. Jesus is in the last week of his life. He's on his way to Jerusalem, and he knows that when he gets to Jerusalem that he is going to be arrested. They know He knows that they are going to put him on trial. He knows that they are going to beat him and torture him, and he knows that finally they are going to crucify him. So as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, there was a lot on his mind, and the Bible here that we just read said that he came to the city of Jericho. Now you have to understand that wherever Jesus went, vast crowds followed him. You remember when he fed the 5,000? He gave no advance notice. There were no television commercials. There were no posters hanging on telephone poles or trees that Jesus was going to feed everybody that came to the hillside. It was just their throng of people that were following him. And Jesus stopped to teach and he realized that the crowd was hungry and so he called for the fish and the loaves and the Bible teaches that he fed 5,000 men and scholars seem to believe there may have been as many as 20,000 people there if the men had families that were going along with them. It was not just men, but there were 5,000 men that he fed, and uh, there was no advance warning. There was just always this throng of people that followed him uh, wherever he went. Now, he was going on his way to Jerusalem, and he came to the city of Jericho. Now, all of these cities, especially the larger ones in that day, they always had the city gates. They would have a group of people there uh, that were beggars, that were begging for alms, or they were begging for food. They were begging for some kind of help. They were some there that were blind, the others that were crippled. They were, whatever their uh, ailment was, they would sit at the city gates and they would uh, beg for people to help them out as they came into the city. Now, today, 
we're dealing with Bartimaeus and he was blind. Now, in our world that we live in today, blind people can get along pretty well. I mean, we have all kinds of technology that helps the blind. We have Braille and we have computers that, uh, that can be voice, op- uh, whatever the word is, operated. You know, you, it responds to your voice. You don't have to be able to see what you're d- doing. And they will, and the computer will talk back and you can, you have books that we could listen. You even have the Bible, the Bible that you can listen to on CDs or on computer uh, generated uh, websites. And so we can get along pretty well today uh, without our vision. It would be difficult, but nothing like it was in that day. In that day, there were no computers. There, were no, there was no Braille. People that were blind were pretty much uh, destined to live a life of poverty and absolute poverty. They couldn't work. They couldn't read or write. They were totally dependent upon whatever they could get from begging, and that's what Bartimaeus was doing at the city gate of uh, Jericho. Uh, I read this passage just a moment ago, and let me share with you. Do you remember Helen Keller? Now, some of you younger people may not know who Helen Keller was, but she was a lady, a, a really a philanthropist. She did so much, and and uh, but she was born blind and deaf and she lived her entire life not being able to see or hear how she did it was phenomenal but uh someone asked her one time isn't it a great tragedy to be blind and her response was iconic she said it's a greater tragedy to have eyes and not to see than not being able to see at all. Uh, there are a lot of people in this world who can see physically, but they really don't have any vision for their life. They can't see what they are doing or what they're going to do or how they're going to get where they want to go. There's no vision for their life. There's no vision for their family. There's no vision for their finances. There's no vision for their help. There's no vision for their uh, ministry. And uh, in fact, a lot of people go through life with no vision at all. And I want to ask you this morning, where do you see yourself? Look up at Where do you see yourself in five or ten years? What kind of vision do you have for yourself in five or ten years? What kind of ministry do you think that God has in store for you? What kind of uh, uh, vocation, what kind of family life, where do you see yourselves in five to ten years? And then when you look at where you want to be in five or ten years, let me ask you this. Do you know how you're going to get there? Do you have a plan? Do you have a, do you have a, a purpose? Do you have a 
direction that you're going to go? How are you going to get to where you need to be? And I'm telling you today, there are a lot of people in our world that think they want to be in a certain place, but they have absolutely no idea how to get there. And I want to know this morning, where do you think we as a church ought to be in five or ten years? And do you have any idea as to how we're going to get there? How are we going to accomplish all the things that God has placed before us? When we were young, we had all these big dreams. I had several of them. I don't know about you. The first dream that I ever remember having was, and this will date me too, because I wanted to be the starting fullback for the Baltimore Colts. Now, some of you never knew the, of the Baltimore Colts. It's always been the Indianapolis Colts, but they used to be in Baltimore. And I wanted to be the fullback for the Baltimore Colts. And it didn't take me long to realize that was never going to happen. And so the, my next dream, my next vision for myself is I wanted to be an attorney. I wanted to be a lawyer. And uh, I first started college with the idea that I was going to be a lawyer and then I got in some trouble and I went to jail and all of that kind of stuff and I got out of jail and went back to school with the idea that I was going to be a veterinarian. I got a job at an animal hospital and I thought for sure that I was going to be a veterinarian until one night that uh, I was, had the opportunity to preach in a church through the Baptist Student Center and I was preaching in that church and God just came down on me like a, a, like a hammer. And I knew, I knew that God was calling me to preach. I went back to the animal hospital and told Dr. Dudley that evening when I got back, it was like 12 o'clock at night and he was still there at the animal hospital and I was supposed to be the one taking care of the night calls that night. And I told Dr. Dudley, I said, Dr. Dudley, I can't, be a veterinarian. I believe God's called me to be a preacher. I think he wants me to give my life to become a, uh, a preacher. And sometimes uh, I didn't know then exactly how I was going to do that, but I knew that God wanted me to uh, be a preacher. And so I dropped out of vet school and I, I, started, I started making plans to go to seminary. Now, these, this is what I want to talk to you this morning. If you have no vision as to where you're going to be in five or ten years, if you're caught up in a situation and you just don't, can't see your way out of it, I have a message for you this morning because I want to share with you how you can get back your vision. Some, some of us have had a vision and we've lost it. We, we, we think that there's no way that that vision can ever come true. I want to help you today to regain your vision and see how you can get to where you believe that God is leading you to be. And the first thing, if you're going to regain your vision, the first thing you need to do is believe that Jesus can change your situation. I need to believe that he can change my 
situation. That's the starting point. And really what that means is, is that we need to have hope. Without hope, we're never going to make changes in our life. Without hope, we're never going to realize all of the wonderful things that God has for us. I want to read again for you this morning, verses 35 through 38. Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man, that's Bartimaeus, sat by the road begging, and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There was a whole crowd of beggars there at the city gates going into uh, Jericho. They had all kinds of different disabilities. But as Jesus passed by, one of them, Bartimaeus, stood up and started crying out. I don't know exactly. We know what it says here, but we don't know if that's all of the words. But I can imagine in my mind Bartimaeus saying, Jesus, over here, come here, look at me. I've got a problem. Jesus, come help me. Now, the Bible teaches that he was really kind of making a bit of a uh, scene there. And I can imagine the rest of the crowd, what they were doing. And they were asking, what in the world is this guy up to? Don't you know that you're causing a scene? Why don't... <laughs> you're a blind beggar. Do you think Jesus is going to stop for you? Why don't you just sit down and shut up so we can see what's going on here? I can imagine the rest of them were thinking, this guy is crazy. He must be really desperate. But let me tell you something, folks. That wasn't a cry of desperation it was a cry of hope. See, he had been there every day. He had never stood up and yelled for anybody else that was going through. He never made a big scene for anybody else that was going through. But this time, it was Jesus going through. And he believed that Jesus could make a difference in his life. This time, he understood that Jesus could give him his vision back. We don't know what happened to Bartimaeus. We don't know how he lost his vision. Nobody, uh, it doesn't say in the Bible what caused him to lose his vision. It could have been a hundred different things. It could have been a disease. It could have been an accident. It could have been all kinds of things that caused him to lose his vision. But uh, somehow he did. Now, I want to say this this morning. I don't know if there's anybody here this morning that has lost your vision, that has lost your purpose, that you don't know how in the world you're ever going to get out of the mess that you may be in. I don't know if there's... And you know what? I don't need to know why you lost your vision. I don't need to know how that happened. It doesn't matter how it happened. 
The fact of the matter is, if we have lost our vision, Jesus is the one that can get it back. The reason so many people have lost their hope today, the reason so many people are just drifting without direction is because they're looking in all the wrong places. You heard that song, you're looking for love in all the wrong places? Well, I think you could also sing you're looking for hope in all the wrong places. Some people are saying, you know, if I can just get into this relationship, more everything would work out for me. Some people might be saying, if I could just get this job, everything would work out for me. Some people would say, if I could just get over this sickness or this disability, everything would be okay for me. My, <laughs> They're just looking in all of the wrong places because that is not where our hope comes for. I love the song, and I should have asked Phil to sing it this morning. You remember the song, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Our hope needs to be in Jesus Christ. And folks, listen to me. If your hope is in anything else, you're going to be disappointed because nothing else is going to satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can do that. Number one, we need to believe that Jesus can change anything that we find ourselves in. The second thing is you must ignore all of the voices around you. Remember Bartimaeus was in this crowd and there was a huge crowd, throng of people walking with Jesus and when Bartimaeus stood up and cried out, Jesus, Jesus, some of the people around him said, what are you doing? Sit down. Be quiet. You can't, I mean, don't you think, do you think that Jesus is really going to stop what he's doing? He's on his way to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to die. He knows he's going to be crucified. Do you think he's going to stop all of that just to deal with the issue that you might have, you go through life with it. We have to understand that many people go through life without having a clear vision concerning what God wants to do in them and through them. And there will be, when you stand up and you proclaim that you think God has something special for you to do, uh, you have to understand that there will be some people that will be in opposition to that. Maybe, maybe opposition may be too strong of a word, but they will have a lack of understanding or doubt or fear of failure, whatever it was. They wanted him to nip this in the bud. They wanted Bartimaeus to stop calling out to Jesus. Basically, the crowd was saying, as I said a while ago, just shut up and sit down. Who are you to speak up that way? Do you think that Jesus is going to pay attention to some blind beggar. You can't do this. I wonder, I wonder if those people 
would have been as negative if it was the mayor of Jericho or the governor of that area or some wealthy landowner. I wonder if they would have been that negative, but because he was a blind beggar and sat there at that gate day after day after day after day, they thought that there was no way that Jesus was going to pay attention to them. Listen, listen to me. Sometimes, sometimes the negative voices that we hear are our own. It's us saying, oh, you don't deserve that. There's no way you can do that. You'll never get that accomplished. But listen to me, Bartimaeus didn't listen to those voices. He cried out louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And if you're going to get your vision back, or if you're going to be able to grab hold of the vision that God has placed before you, you need to stop listening to all those negative voices. The third thing that we need to be aware of, we need to listen to God's call. If you look there in verse 40, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him saying, what do you want me to do for you? We need to listen for God's call. We need to pay attention and recognize when God speaks to us. That means we may have to slow down in our lives. We may need to quit being so busy and listen for God's call. I like Mark's account. Mark's account over in uh, chapter 10 and verses 49 and 50. Let me read it to you. This, is, this really uh, explains it well. It says, So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called to the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he came to Jesus. Now, let me tell you what one translation said that. They said, be of good cheer. Celebrate. Jesus is calling. He's looking to you. He's calling you. And the Bible says in this one translation that he threw off his garment, he jumped to his feet, and he ran to Jesus. I like that because that's what really we need to do. Listen, listen, listen for the call. If you've got something that you need Jesus to do in your life, listen for his call. And then when he does call, be excited about it. Jump up. Throw off all the things that might encumber you. Jump up and run to Jesus. I don't care. Listen, let me, let me ask you something. Is there something that Jesus is calling you to do and you haven't done it? Is there anything at all that Jesus has called you to do 
and you haven't done it? Listen, if you want your vision to be clear, if you want to understand where you're going and how you're going to get there, when Jesus calls you to do something, be excited about it and get up and do it. I don't know what that call may be. It may not be a vocation, although that's a part of it. It might be a ministry that God's calling you to do. It might be some kind of act of obedience that God's calling you to do. It may be to stop smoking or to stop drinking or to uh, maybe lose some weight and control your sugar, what I need to do. Whatever it is, it may be a relationship that you, that you shouldn't be in. It may be that he's telling you, you need to f- join this church. It may be that you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It may be that you need to follow the Lord in baptism. I don't know what it may be, but when God calls you to do something, we need to get excited about it. We need to jump up. God's got a plan for your life. I don't care if you're seven or 97, God has a plan for your life and He wants you to do what He's calling you to do. Now, a lot of people, when they think of the call of God upon their lives, they think something, oh, well, calling to be a preacher or to be uh, a missionary or something like that. But that's not the only thing God calls people to do. Sometimes God calls people to be teachers. Sometimes God calls people to be accountants. Sometimes God calls people to be nurses or ranchers or or musicians. But here's the thing. Don't be a teacher or a nurse or a musician that happens also to be a Christian. Be a Christian first. Seek first. The kingdom of his God, uh, of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first Jesus, that may also happen to be a teacher or a nurse or a musician. Or see what comes first in our life is our relationship with Jesus. We need to be ready to do his will. Listen for his call. And when his call comes, be ready to do it. And then, after he calls you, you run to him. He's going to ask you just like he did here. What do you want me to do? (laughs) Tell God what you want. Tell God what you need from him. Be specific. This is what Bartimaeus did. He ran to Jesus I love it because it's so simple. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? And Bartimaeus said, I want to see. Give me my vision. (laughs) So simple. He doesn't go into why he's blind. He doesn't talk about all of the difficulties that he has because he's blind. He doesn't say how miserable his life has been. He doesn't talk about the hardship 
he's gone through. He just says, Lord, I want to see. Restore my vision. If you ever find yourself in a rut, if you ever find yourself in a place where you can't get out of it and you can't see your way out, you go to God. You go to God. And when He asks you what, he, what, what, what you want, you just tell Him. Tell Him. God, I want to I see. That leads me to my fifth point. And I'll be finished. I know my time's up, but it's Phil's fault. My fifth point, receive your vision in faith. That's what it says in 42. Look what it says. Then Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. That's what Bartimaeus did. He believed and he received his sight. Your faith has healed you. You understand that receiving and believing kind of go together. Let me tell you just a little bit about my story with Hebron. And I know our time is up, but please bear with me. I think it started back when I was in the fifth grade. I was working out in the field, my dad's pepper patch. And I was hoeing weeds. And I can remember like it was yesterday. I remember that I kneeled down because I was just tired and I needed to rest a minute. And this was right outside of, I mean, in Hylia. Hylia is a suburb of Miami, Florida. And uh, we were at, I, was in, I was in that pepper patch. And uh, Billy Graham that week was preaching at uh, Dinner Key Auditorium in Coconut Grove. And uh, it was on the news. Everybody was talking about Billy Graham being in town and this great crusade that he was doing. I, never, I, I didn't go to church. My family didn't go to church. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. None of us went to church. But I can remember, and, and this is odd to me because it was when I was in the fifth grade. That's what... 62 years ago. But I can remember it like it was yesterday. And I, I was kneeling there between the rows of bell peppers. And I, I said, God, if you ever gave me the opportunity, I would preach. I can remember saying those words. Of course, I got back up and started hoeing. And I never thought about it again until about 30 years later. And, uh, and I, was, I was in college. I, it wasn't 30 years. I guess it was about 20 years later. I was 27 years old. I was in college. And uh, I was at that revival that I preached when I was in the BSU. And God called me to preach. I knew that he wanted me to do that. And so I dropped out of vet school and I, I went to seminary. And I had a clear vision of what God wanted me to do. And I became the pastor. As I, when I got out of seminary, I was an associate pastor at First Baptist Church, Winter Park, Florida. And then from there, I went to Main Street Baptist Church in, in uh, 
at Leesburg, Florida. I was the senior pastor there. And from there, I went to uh, Spring Valley Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. And there, I was pastor there for 14 years. And I just got burnt out. We did. We built a new auditorium. It cost us $1.4 million dollars and and it took us seven years to pay for it, and, and I just, I worked so hard, I just got burnt out, and so I quit. Some years later, we got married, and I went to, we moved to, Bell, uh, to Denison. I opened up a little restaurant there, but there was still in my heart that calling that God placed on my heart back, when I believe, when I was in the fifth grade that he'd called me to be a preacher. And uh, at a little church that we were attending, the pastor left, and they couldn't find a pastor, so as a last resort, they turned to me. And they said, would you be our pastor? And so I sold my little restaurant. It was Ike's Grill in downtown Denison. I don't know if any of you ever heard of that. But I, I, I sold it and I went to be the pastor of Faith Fellowship in uh, Denison. I was their pastor for 15 years. I was 69, I think. Was I 69? Somewhere around in there. And I thought it was time for me to retire. So I retired. And uh, we were there, oh, I guess... About three months after I retired, I was getting bored. Deanne still worked. I stayed at home by myself. And I was bored and I couldn't stand it. And uh, so I went to the associational office. And Bobby Fletcher was our uh, director of missions. And I said, put me on the, put me on the uh, supply list. I'm going crazy. And he put me on the supply list. And... Uh, I don't know if it was Rory that called. Somebody called me. I don't know. Maybe it was somebody called me and asked me if I could come out to Hebron. I never heard of Hebron Baptist Church. Asked me if I could come out to Hebron to uh, to uh, fill in. Bobby, I think, was your your interim pastor at that time. And maybe it was he that called me. I don't remember. But I came out here to preach, and I preached, and I said, man. And I, <laughs> First, I had to find the place. I came up and I pulled up in the lot and I said, wow, this is, yeah, okay. And I walked in that door and I looked in here to this auditorium. And I said, wow, these people have it going on. They're doing something right here. And I preached. And then a couple weeks later, they called me to come back, and I preached two Sundays in a row. And then one Wednesday night, then one Wednesday night, we were coming home. We were attending church at Parkside in uh, Denison. And we were coming home from church on Wednesday night. And my phone rang. 
And this time it was Roy, I remember. It was Roy. And he said, Russell, I just got out of a pastor search committee. And we were just wondering, would you consider, would you be willing to, for us to consider you? I said, wow. I said, let me pray about it. And, uh, and I did pray about it. And let me tell you what God said. He said, Russell, I called you to be a preacher. That means you're supposed to preach. And, uh, and so I called Roy back. And I said, yeah, I, I, I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll let you consider me. And I told him, most of you know that I, I, I've been divorced during that, all that thing in Dallas. All of the pressures and things happened. And I didn't think I'd ever preach again until Faith Fellowship called me. And I told, I told uh, Roy, I said, you have to understand I've been divorced because I thought, I mean, you know, that was the death nail for a preacher. And he said, well, we'll consider, we still want to consider you. And I said, okay. I don't remember all the people that were on the committee. I know Roy was and Renee was and Perry. Perry, well, I don't see Perry. But, oh, there he is. Perry was. and uh, Rebecca, were you on it? No? Cindy? Mandy. Mandy was. Mandy was on it. And a couple others I don't remember. And I met with them. And they said, we all decided that we'd just continue to pray. And then they came to the conclusion that God was leading me to become pastor here at Heathen Baptist Church. Now, let me tell you something. When I came here, I came here, I came with a clear calling and a conviction that God had a purpose for Hebron Baptist Church. I wouldn't have come otherwise, but he had a clear calling on my life and what my understanding what Hebron Baptist Church was to be. I had a vision for Hebron Baptist Church that God wants this church. He's got us located here. Who in the world in their right mind would put a church here? Nobody knows where Hebron is unless you live around here. You don't come by here by accident. Why in the world would people start a church here? Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because this is where God wanted us to be. Those people back in 1887 or whenever it was, they had a vision. They had a call from God. And God wanted them to be here. I had a lot of naysayers. I spoke to some friends about it. You know what they told me? You're nuts to follow a guy that's been there for 54 years. That place is out in the middle of nowhere. But I didn't listen to them. 
I listened to God. And God said to come here. That he wanted me to be the pastor at Hebron Baptist Church. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. That guy that's been here for 54 years did a phenomenal job at Hebron Baptist Church. He did. Hey, those guys that said you don't want to follow a guy that's been here for 54 years didn't know what they were talking about. They didn't know what they were talking about. I've never been in a church, and I've been in several of them. I'd never been in a church that was more prepared to receive a new pastor than Hebron Baptist Church was. There, there was never, never a minute's worth of difficulty because I followed a guy that had been here for 54 years. Houston Garner had prepared this church and he had done a phenomenal job. And listen to me, listen to me. That wasn't by accident either. God put him here. Just like God put this church here. And just like God put me here. Now the question is, the question is, what is our vision for the future? I'm not going to be the pastor till I'm 89. I'm just not going to. I, I don't think I'll li- I don't know if I'll live to be 89. But you know what? That's what, how many years? That's 16, 17 more years. You won't want me to be here that long, I guarantee you. But let me th- look around. There are a lot of you that won't be here either. There are a lot of you that won't be here in 17 more years. But man, did you see those kids up here this morning? Wasn't that wonderful? These young people that are taking up this place up here, thank you for doing that. We've got some young families that have been coming. There's one back there waving at me. And uh, we've got some young families that have come into the church. Hey, hey, this isn't, look around. This isn't a church full of old people. God's got something for Hebron Baptist Church. He wants this church to be a leader in Grayson and Fannin County. He wants this church to have an impact in Grayson and Fannin County. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here. I'm not going to resign. You may fire me before it's over. But this is the thing. This is the thing. We need to focus on where we want to be 10 years from now. That this church would be stronger then than it is now. We need to focus on what God wants to do here at Hebron Baptist Church. And like a laser, the Bible says that Jesus set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem. Like a laser, we need to focus in on what God wants to do here at Hebron Baptist Church and get excited about it. Throw that cloak over, jump up and run toward it 
to be what God wants us to be. What's God called you to do? What's God called you to do to be a part of that? I believe he has. Listen to me. There's not a single person here that God hasn't called to do something. It may not preacher maybe or a missionary, but it could be a Sunday school teacher. Some of you, God's calling you to become a part of this church, to join this church, to receive Christ, some of you, to follow the Lord in baptism, some of you. God wants something for you to do. Do you hear him calling? Do you hear him? Do you hear him calling? What is it that God wants you to do? The Bible says that after Jesus had restored Bartimaeus' life, that, uh, that Bartimaeus followed him wherever he went, praising God. And all the people praised God for this wonderful miracle that he'd done. The last point is to stay with Jesus. Keep following Jesus. Keep doing. Don't ever think, oh, don't ever think, ah, oh, we can't do that. Don't ever think, oh, that's too, I, 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 I'd never be able to do that. With Christ, all things are possible. Amen? I kept you way over. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for all that you have to do in our lives. And we just pray, God, that we might be responsive to you. We pray, God, that we might be everything that you want us to be. Have your hand, God, upon our church. Lord, Lord, be here and help us to know your presence. Help us to know, help us to know the, the, your will for Hebron Baptist Church. Help us to know, God, what we need to be doing. And then, Lord, get us excited and help us to do it. We just ask you, Lord, we ask you for your intervention in our lives. We ask you, God, to have your hand upon this church. And, Father, help us to fulfill all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.